Hello, product innovators. Today we learn about the processes and best practices in conceptual product design from a product designer that has worked with over 100 hardware startups. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, a show to learn from top leaders in product development, prototyping, manufacturing, product selling, and everything in between. Hosted by Kevin Macko, the leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Sponsored by PTC's two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo. And produced by Macko Design and Invent, the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Rob Colgan to the show. Rob has worked for Macro Design for almost 10 years, working with well over 100 physical product startups and developing an invention idea into a real consumer product for them. He went to school for both mechanical design and industrial design, along with building many custom cars and motorcycles as a hobby. Today, Rob is going to share some valuable knowledge on how inventor startups and small manufacturers can understand the key initial steps to developing a new invention idea, the product guidelines that start it all off right through to the concept sketches, computer-aided design work, and visual renderings that make a great product. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, Kev, thanks for having me. Happy to have you on. Rob's been in the product design world for a long time. He's been with the Mako Design team for almost 10 years now, and you've worked on hundreds of projects for primarily startups, but also some medium and large corporations as well. But today, I really want to drill down onto the ideation, the concept design, and some best practices in and around developing a new physical consumer product invention, something you've had, obviously, a lot of experience. Rob, you're a phenomenal designer, obviously, and a testament to work as many, obviously, the portfolio pieces on the site and whatnot. And that's what I want to drill down in today. For somebody who's starting in the process into design, whether they're working with a design team, whether they're a designer themselves, whether they're just interested in what the process looks like, I want to just chat to you about some of the things that we do in, in process on actually conceptualizing design, putting the specifications down, getting it into sketches and CAD and so on, but then some of your best practices and your tips for really making a great product, not just in design, but a product that's built to sell, to be an actual commercial success for a hardware startup. Before we get into all that, Rob, just give us a bit of a background, where you went to school and some of the stuff you've been working on and you know, what you like to do. Yeah, sure. Early on, school-wise, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I, I love working with my hands. I love to draw. So I thought, uh, well, let's try mechanical engineering. Did that for a bit at George Brown, just a lot of math and a lot of physics. My dad put me onto industrial design and that ended up being a beautiful marriage of, of both engineering and art that led me to Humber. And I was there for a few years and then started an internship program at uh, Maco and I've been there ever since. Yeah, it's amazing that you know, the industrial design really was a fit for you, Rob, because one of the things that impressed me so much about the early days, especially early applications, like you literally built motorcycles in your garage, take an old beater, redo it all up, come up with this like sexy new design for it, worked on cars, all sorts of stuff. So you're able to kind of mend your skills of visual, essentially hand sketching design in combination with your understanding of like mechanics and engineering, fuse those together, which really is industrial design, right? It's the combination of visual beauty and actual manufacturability, which is kind of the engineering side underneath. A lot of my hobbies uh, revolve closely around being a product designer and developer. It's, you know, looking at something, how do I make this better? Having that uh, vision as to how to make it look better helps. Yeah, definitely. My uh, my hobbies are closely related to what I do for a living. There's very good reason for that. I, I love the way design looks. I live and breathe design. And I also love working with my hands. I, I like to get the instant gratification of you know changing something, removing something on a motorcycle or car and, and seeing that improvement of that uh, item being removed. And I, I love clean and simple design. And I harp that uh, religiously in my day-to-day -day life. 
let's break it back to what we really start with. So if we're looking at any new product, a new innovation, what most people don't realize is there actually is a bit of planning that goes in behind it. You don't just jump straight into the sketch or straight into the features. One of the things that is really key is what we call the PGD. It's a product guidelines document, something that is tracked actually throughout the life of the project, all the way through to and including manufacturing. But this really starts from day one, interacting with the client, interacting with the new innovation to really distill down what is the core innovation and what are the features. So talk just a bit about the PGD, maybe some of the questions you're asking clients or some of the things that are being formed onto that guideline document, just to frame the text-based concept of what the product is. And this could really work for anybody, whether they're at a new idea phase or even if they're in design. Distilling it down to written word, looking at your features and prioritizing them is really something you can do at any phase if you don't have it well-structured or well-organized in the development of your physical consumer product idea. Yeah, definitely. Itemizing is, is essentially a wish list. It's the best place to start. It's simple. It doesn't require a lot of materials. You just write down exactly what you want to get out of your product is key. You know, have your, your wants and your needs. Nice to have features. Well, that's really important. I like that you mentioned that it's kind of your must have and your want to have. And this is yeah. a great exercise. Anybody can do this at any stage of development in the product. And it's something that actually very few hardware developers do. When they're structuring their plan, they think of all these things of the features that they want. But they don't look at it as like, what is absolutely critical? We talk a lot about it on the show, the concept of MVP, where you need a really good quality product, but not with a ton of features as a hardware startup, especially you can't afford to do a crazy amount of features because each feature is almost its own product design. So talk a bit, Rob, about the must have versus might want to have features and how might as well. It doesn't mean that you're throwing them away. It's just things that aren't critical to your core innovation that you came up with as the inventor. Yeah, definitely. It's it's important to focus on your core features, get those listed out. You know, they may only be one or two, but those are the two most important aspects of your product. And that's where you should focus 99% of your energy. There are nice to have features, but a lot of the times those can be a crutch to helping your product, you know, such as LEDs or some sort of cool texture. Yeah, if, connect if product- it with an app. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it's, we, we get caught up in all these extra little frills. Honestly, if you, if you look at Apple products, for example, there's no frills. It's very simple. If you look at the phone itself or the device and it's very clean, very minimal, there's no extra bells and whistles. That's very important. It's good to not get carried away with all the extra bells and whistles because it, it could lead you down a path of unnecessary exhaustion. Yeah, we call it feature creep, uh, obviously, and and feature creep can be very dangerous to a hardware startup because although it might make sense in corporate development, and I teach us in the Masters of Engineering program now, it's important to look at all the features when you're a big Fortune 500 company and you're trying to capture the entire market really with your next release, or at least most of it. But as a hardware startup, you can't afford the millions upon millions of dollars it really takes to very carefully vet, explore, design, engineer all of the features that you want on your product in the beginning. Now, you can get there as a startup, and I'm all about conquering the space, disrupt the industry. But first and foremost, wedge yourself in there with the core innovation. I love how you mentioned, Rob, the one or two core features, because I look at a dozen new products a day. And realistically speaking, almost every single one of them has almost often really only come up with one, maybe two actual like core innovations. That was the vision of the innovator. That was the light bulb moment, the aha. It's that core concept that you really first came up with. Then what you can potentially see is a lot of these tack-ons, all kinds of extra bells and whistles that the innovator thinks is necessary to support the main feature, maybe in the long run and probably in the long run, but 
Wouldn't you rather get to market, create a wedge in the market, be exponentially more valuable as a hardware startup with your core innovation, learn from your customers about what is truly uh, valuable in terms of your add-ons or all these extra features, and then continue to grow the brand from there. You also brought up the concept of Apple. And I do like talking about that, although it's cliche to bring up Apple, I know as much as we all do. But the reality is, is they led the forefront of design. So you really have to see what are they doing and how did they succeed? How can you mimic that as a startup? And one of the things that you mentioned, Rob, is that they really focus on simplicity. If you look at the Apple products that have been rolled out, even though they had the highest development budgets on earth, they start with a core offering. And then every year, they may slightly modify and tweak that offering, largely by customer feedback and customer needs, as well as internal ideation and a whole bunch of other stakeholder things. But the reality is they're not coming out with everything from day one. Yeah, that's a great point, Kevin. It's very important to leave some meat on the bone for future product improvements and releases, uh, like such as 2.0s, 3.0s. You definitely don't want to bite off too much that you can chew early on. It's best to lower your upfront costs. You know, if you're starting out, you might not have all the resources, uh, you know, so, as Apple. It's important to focus solely on your core features, build those out, prototype the heck out of them, and uh, ensure that the core functionality is 100% nailed down before you go to market. If, you know, the reviews come in and people want to see LEDs and app integration, fantastic. There's your 2.0. It's like playing pool. You want to you set yourself up for future wins. Very powerful. So let's assume that we've built this product guideline document. We've done a good job working on the must-have features and the maybe features or the potential future features. What's next? Yeah. So once you have your core features listed out and uh, you have a main objective from here, research is your friend, uh, Google's your friend, research as much as you can. Once you have that core feature written out, time to sketch that feature out. How do you do this? What's the most simple way to get that feature functioning and functioning well with as minimal components as possible? Even if it's overcomplicated in the beginning, uh, you can simplify that later on, but at least Trying to visualize how that uh, feature works is important. So what I do is I, I just sketch everything out. I, I break it all down. I like to, I'm a very visual person. It just helps to look at that system and see how it plays out. Yeah, that's good, Rob, because you're you're breaking it down into different components. You've got the holistic product, which you're looking at kind of the user environment, relaying it back to the PGD. And then also you're trying to figure out each of the components. So I like how you mentioned you're doing a bit of both. You're looking at the overall project scope, but really breaking it down piece by piece to figure out, okay, first and foremost, how does that individual component work? And then once you've got a pretty good idea around that, how does it all go together? And you just do this primarily on sketches. Talk a bit about the, the sketching that you do, because there's a variety of different types of sketching out there. What, what are some of them? What do you use them for? Yeah, so there, there's a few different ways to go about sketching. Classic pen and paper works. That's what I usually do for myself internally. I, I like to sketch everything out because I'm a visual person. I, I like to hand sketch, just quick little doodles, get it on a page, see what it looks like. You know, you can draw on a tablet, uh, you can block model CAD together, or you can create uh, rough CAD models just, just to get a better 3D sense. The problem with sketching is that you lose that three-dimensional aspect. You know, we start drawing maybe a side view of the product or a front view. It's hard to visualize that, just spinning it around. So sometimes I, I like to just jump into CAD and start blocking it in just so I can get a better sense of scale. I can look at it quickly from the front, back, top, et cetera. It's just a better visualizing the product 
That's great because the sketching part is not necessarily set in stone. A lot of new designers, especially in the early years, they say, well, what's the exact process? Especially in these early sketching phases, this is really hardcore ideation. You're taking years of knowledge in your mind, visual design, industrial time, mechanical engineering, electronic engineering elements, component engineering, manufacturing engineering, all of the knowledge that you've gained over a long time. You're trying to distill that down into this new innovation. So the point of sketching is don't get too bogged down about a specific sketching process. Like Rob mentioned, there's a whole bunch of different tools. Each tool has pros and cons. Some are quick, some are short, some are 2D, some are 3D. There's a lot of different ways that you can look at sketching. But the point here, especially as a designer, as you're working with your design team, is to allow the creative flexibility so that they can best get the ideas that are in their head on a component-by-component basis onto some form of visual. From there, you can, of course, modify, delete, change, improve. The idea here is just to get these things down on paper so you can start collaborating in a visual environment as opposed to the text-based environment, which we talked about prior as the PGD. Now, keep in mind that the product guidelines document your must-have features and your might-want-to-have features and all the elements of those features are going to evolve over time. As you're doing this research, as you're doing these hand sketchings, so is the PGD evolving. And that's why it's really important for us here. We do it on a weekly basis, live track. So we can look at all the specifications that are occurring right from the beginning of the project, all the way to and including manufacturing, see where things are changed, where things are modified. Most likely over time, you're adding more and more and more specifications to your guideline document in written form, which is following the visual form and and being essentially collaborative as a central communication source. So Rob, explain just some of the ideas about how you actually sketch. I know you talk a lot uh, to clients and you speak a lot about the concept of MVP, cleanliness, user interaction. Just describe some of the things and why they're important when you're doing your sketching, no matter which way you're actually sketching out or which tools you're using in Sketch. Yeah, so it's best to treat a new product in an inside out manner. So build it on the skeletal level, get those core features almost like propped up like a skeleton. Once you can figure out that mechanism or or how that system of uh, components works, great. So once I have that skeletal structure figured out, I have the components that I'm happy with, I can then start skinning the product and that's where the real fun starts. This is where a lot of ergonomics and uh, user interaction comes into play. And not only that, obviously it has to look great. That usually falls into place, you know, form follows function. I find it's best to not stress the aesthetics so, so much, especially early on. I know that it's best to just do a quick sketch as to what you vision the product looking like in the future. Don't let that twist your arm uh, with the component selection because we can always find components that are smaller and uh, we can improve those to get them in a, a smaller overall package so that the external design looks as best as possible. But uh, don't let that bog you down. The aesthetics will come later. But uh, yeah, once I get the skeletal structure sorted, I can then look at ways to make the product either smaller to start, maybe some of the requirements from the PGD were that the product has to be compact and uh, you know might have to travel. So things of that nature can really stress the component selection. And now it's a good time to start focusing on uh, ergonomics, user experience. Where do I put the controls? Where's the on button? Where's the screen? Is there a screen? 
Yeah, so all this weighs into how the product is going to be used by the, the customer. Yeah, and customer here, we're really talking about the end user, right? That's what's important to think about as well as an inventor, because as an inventor, you've been thinking about this product probably for a long time. You're now in the weeds, you're working with your designers, you're figuring out all the different pieces, but you are not the customer. The customer is the person at the end of the day, even if it's something that is for you, which a lot of innovations are, it's something that you want for your own life. Remember the customer, put yourselves in the shoe of that avatar, they call it. Who is your ideal customer? Your starting customer, again, you're not trying to be everything to everybody as we talked about earlier. So putting yourself in the mind of the initial customers and how your product is going to work to them. Rob, I really like how you mentioned in there, essentially simplicity in terms of the design, but starting with the components, bringing it all together, then starting to work on your actual aesthetics and usability. The core components to a product are usually the toughest. Now, this isn't written in stone. Some products are the exceptions. Some products, the visual is the main feature of the product. But for most innovations or inventions that are out there, especially for mass manufactured physical consumer products, it usually comes down to some fairly specific engineering. So that's why it's a really good idea not to get too beat up about things like you mentioned, Rob, like maybe it's too big to start, or maybe the visualization isn't as good as it might be, or maybe things need to be changed. Well, yes, you can work on that as the product evolves. But most important, just like we did earlier in the must-have, might-want-to-have features, we have to look at the design of what is most important. And usually what's most important is, Rob, you termed it, the skeletal structure and the individual components. Now that you've got them kind of mapped out, you can think about usability and then apply that to improving and modifying the design, which usually then comes into the more intense work, which is your hardcore industrial mechanical design CAD. And if there's electronics, of course, you're doing your electronics integration as well. So talk a bit about you know, moving from sketching and putting these things together to actually modifying the design to CAD and how important it is to work collaboratively with the inventor, thinking about end customers throughout that transition from sketch out components and design going to actual full-fledged CAD design. Yeah, once you have a sketch or a blocked in CAD model and you're ready to show that to the client, uh, that's a very big step because it it helps them visualize their product. And that's the first time they're actually seeing it in a 3D space or, or 2D if it's a sketch. That initial view sparks so many questions and really helps get that collaborative process started with a client. Because a lot of the times it's a, it is a collaborative process. Like the, the client themselves might know more about that field uh, that that product is based in much more than I do. And I rely on that collaboration to ensure the success of their product. So once they see it in a visual space, that's when the sparks are flying. We, we look at ways to improve the components that I've chosen uh, on a skeletal level. And then we can start to, uh, you know, shrinking or, you know, enlarge. Maybe the battery's not big enough. Maybe they have certain power requirements. Basically, we, we fine tune those initial components and get the, the bones of the product as strong as possible before we make our way into the industrial design aspect. This is really important because you've essentially got two main stakeholders here. You've got the innovators and the inventors and the design team. And whether it's you're doing your own design, then you are the innovator and the design team. If you're working with, whether it's in-house or agency, or you're working at the corporate level with your design team, the reality is you've got these two distinct minds, the visionary and the engineer, essentially, right? And the designers are really figuring out how things work and best practices around user engagement and the historical information, all that stuff with a tremendous amount of experience. However, what they don't have, no matter how experienced of a designer they are, they don't have your mind as the inventor. 
The inventor, that is your vision. You have seen this output. You were the one who had that aha moment. No one else in the world had it. You were the one who had it and you chased that thing. So it's really important here to combine that industrial design skill and engineering and history with your vision for the product. That collaboration is where, you know, what Rob's talking about, it happens really at a granular level, starting just component by component, and then working your way up to the holistic vision of the actual product itself. So Rob, as we move into visual design, one of the things you obviously like to do is look at products that the client likes that's on the market. Unrelated or related, it doesn't really matter. What we really want to grasp is the visual understanding of how the client sees that, because modern isn't just modern. Everybody wants modern, sexy, sophisticated, clean, simple design these days, or at least you should, especially if you're a new up-and-coming startup. But there's different types of modern. There's different types of 2023 design. So the key is to really understand what the client's vision is, and then to use design experience to make sure it makes tremendous sense from both a visual and a mechanical understanding of the product itself. So Rob, talk a bit about that transition going from all the kind of sketch work and ideation and component and skeleton going to actually moving into real CAD design of the first version of the product in 3D CAD. This is a fun transitional period of the product development process. It's time to have fun with the design. You make a good point. It's, you know, a lot of people love simple, sleek, sexy, modern design. But what is modern design? To me, modern design is is something that's clean and timeless. Nothing more modern than being timeless. It'll outlast anything that's you know, following a trend, especially if you're creating expensive tooling. You don't want to have to redo that tooling because you know you followed a trend and uh, you know next year that trends out. So it's important just to keep your design as simple as possible. I know it's been beaten to death, but uh, the KISS principle is very crucial. You know, you look at the externals, what can be added, what can be taken away. It's what I follow every time I put pen to paper. Our motto is brilliantly simple design at Mako. That's what I try and follow every time I put pen to paper. I don't want to get carried away with design features. I know there's a bit of pressure to make it look as sexy as possible, but honestly, keeping your design as clean and minimal is best because it's not only you that has to appreciate the design, it's your entire market. And a lot of the times the clients can get uh, caught up in ensuring that that product looks best to them. That's something that I have to remind people a lot of is it's not just you, it's everyone else that this has to appeal to. And the best way to do that is keep things neutral. Like when you're selling a home, you paint your walls uh, neutral colors so they can be appealing to the masses as opposed to just you. So that's something that's uh, important to remember. Keep your design as simple as possible. Not only does it uh, ensure for a more uh, timeless design, but it keeps your, your upfront costs low because you're not having all these external parts or, or slides inside of your tooling to create different standoffs or features. My father always told me it's a complex road to simplicity that always rings in my ears every time I, I get carried away with you know feature creep and adding too many frills to the product. So he's very right. I, I end up deleting things until I get back to that core functionality of the product and it turns out to be a, a better design overall. So that's really important because a lot of people underappreciate what it takes to be simple in terms of design and clean, right? Like that is an end state. One of the things that people come with, they say, yeah, I want the product to be simple. It should be seamlessly user-friendly, very intuitive and all of a sorts of buzzwords, let's call it. Well, the reality is to get there requires a lot of complexity. You have to expand out and figure out all the components and elements, figure out what that neutral zone is between all the different, let's call it features or claims or desires, needs, et cetera. Find that golden intersection in the middle of that Zen diagram. That is what creates a simple product. So of course, 
as you're mentioning, Rob, it's very efficient to really be thinking of this right from day one. You mentioned it going all the way back, even to like component selection, even earlier, actually, as we're going into the PGD, figuring out into component selection, how we actually put this together, and then keeping that design very modern, very crisp, seamless. If you're thinking about these things early, it makes your design more efficient. So you have to balloon out a little bit. There is a little bit of complexity to figure out what that simplicity is, to figure out where the middle of that Zen diagram sits. But then once you have that, that really creates for a great, simple, easy to sell product. And that that is core. Rob, what are some of the tools? Obviously, we talked about some of the things you used in sketch design. What are the tools? How does it get a bit more advanced when you go into actual industrial design and rendering and that sort of stuff? Yeah. So once we pass the early stages of visualizing the product, getting those core features down, now it's time to start taking things a little bit more seriously and uh, thinking about manufacturing. This is where you know, big programs come in and that are that focus on design for manufacturing. Uh, they allow you to split up your housing and shell it out. You know, how thick do I make the walls of this plastic product? What's the use case? Like, is this thing going to be beat up like a, like a video game controller? Do I have to thicken those walls up a bit more? Yeah, focusing on how the user is going to interact with this product. What's the scale of this product? Building it out in, in 3D space is very important. Yeah, and this is really important as well that we're looking at all these different types of design for manufacturing elements, even though we're just kind of cresting into the first CAD design of it. We start with pretty advanced software for design for manufacturing because we want to be efficient, especially working with startups. A lot of the time, if you design it all the way to this final thing and then have to re-engineer it all for production at the very end, it's incredibly costly. It's just generally inefficient. I know I keep coming back around to the word, but that's what it is. So the reality is the earlier that you can actually start building in robust software that can carry all the way through to and including manufacturing, the easier it is to design, engineer, test, re-engineer, prototype, re-engineer as you're going through those various phases, tighter and tighter and tighter designs. So you get a great output at the end for the actual producer. So that's a big reason. I love how you brought that up, Rob, of like moving to serious software earlier on in the process, even though you're just starting to work on the visuals and the engineering largely in concept, but this concept is going to eventually get more and more detailed to the point where we actually do start into prototyping. What are some of the things you actually like to do to visualize the concept after you've built out the CAD, external, internal? What do you like to do in terms of showcasing that work? This is the fun part. Once you have the CAD model designed, you're happy with how it looks. Now it's time to throw it into a photorealistic uh, rendering program. This helps the inventor get a sense of, as to how it's going to look in the real world. You know, it's one thing to play around with it in the CAD model, but once you put it into a photorealistic rendering software, it gets some nice perspective on there. You can play around with materials and the finishes, and you, you can actually take materials and finishes of real products and apply them to your CAD model. And um, it looks like a real product. I've fooled many people with renderings on the screen. They think it's an actual, they think I've made the product, but in actuality, there's some really kick-ass uh, rendering softwares out there that, that can help you visualize how your product looks in, in, in the real world. Rob, really appreciate all that. And that's always such a, a highlight at the end when you get to do all those visual renderings to show both how the external that's going to look, but also the internal. What are all the guts and the pieces? How do they go together? And even do things in motion and all this sort of stuff. It really allows you to amplify the tools, even just in concept, before we even got into prototyping. I know we don't have a ton of time today, Rob, so I really appreciate all your words of wisdom, your explanations of the early phases of conceptual design and some of the best tips and practices along the way. Thanks again for being on the show and we'll be talking to you soon. Yeah, likewise, Kevin. It's been a blast. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. And we'll talk soon. Take care. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast. If you found some value in the show, please do us a huge favor and leave us a quick five-star review. If you have any questions, guest suggestions, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us anytime at our email, podcast at macodesign.com. That's podcast at macodesign.com. This show is hosted by Kevin Macko, North America's leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Huge thanks to our sponsors, PTC, and their two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo, and Macko Design and Invent, the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Thanks for joining and see you next time.